facts, candid conversations, and some levity to lighten your day. This is The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Kale at relevantradio.com is the email. C-A-L-E at relevantradio.com. And follow me on the X app at Kale Clark, C-A-L-E Clark with an E. But let me give, that, give out that phone number again because you're, you're going to want to call in once we start talking about this particular topic, 888-914-9149. I'm going to tell you a little story. It's story time now. And this story was not written by me. And some of you might recognize where it came from, but just let me tell it. And then we'll talk about it. Please find a place to hear these next few words where you can be alone and uninterrupted. Clear your mind of everything except what you will hear and what I will invite you to do. Don't worry about your schedule. Don't worry about your business. Don't worry about your family or your friends. Just focus with me and really, really open your mind. In your mind's eye, see yourself going to the funeral of a loved one. Picture yourself driving to the funeral parlor or chapel, parking your car, and getting out. As you walk inside the building, you notice the flowers, the soft organ music. You see the faces of friends and family you pass along the way. You feel the shared sorrow of losing, but the joy of having known that radiates from the hearts of the people there. As you walk down to the front of the room and look inside the casket, you suddenly come face to face with yourself. This is your funeral. Three years from today, all these people have come to honor you, to express feelings of love and appreciation for your life. But as you take a seat and wait for the services to begin, you look at the program in your hand. There are four speakers. The first is from your family, immediate and extended. Children, brothers, sisters, nephews, nieces, aunts, uncles, cousins, and grandparents who have come from all over the country to attend. The second speaker is one of your friends someone who can give a sense of who you were as a person. The third speaker is from your work or your profession. And the fourth is from your church, where you've been involved in service and worship. Now think deeply, what would you like each of these speakers to say about you and your life? What kind of husband were you? What kind of wife? What kind of father? What kind of mother would you like their words to reflect? What kind of son or daughter or cousin? What kind of friend? What kind of working associate? What character would you like them to have seen in you? What contributions, what achievements would you want them to remember? Look carefully at the people around you. What difference would you like to have made in their lives? Now, who wrote that? It wasn't me. It was Stephen Covey. Remember that guy? This is from his classic 1989 work, which has been reprinted over and over and over again, international bestseller, millions upon millions of copies, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And one of the things he says, one of the great principles that he puts in the book about personal leadership is begin with the end in mind. And that's truly the end. The idea that, man, you're looking at your own funeral three years from today. Hopefully we'll have a lot more than three years, but one never knows. One never knows. But it's, it's a really good idea. It's a really good exercise to think about the end as you begin. And what what got me thinking about that and what kind of reminded me of this quote from Covey was uh, my wife had sent me an article 
from a hospital chaplain talking about what people who are on their deathbed, what they are the most worried about. Now, I'll share those uh, with you uh, in just a moment. You're listening to The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888-914-9149, if you want to weigh in on this topic. But I think it's always a good idea to talk about that as we kind of kind of get the week out. I know it's Tuesday. I know the week started yesterday, and I, and I do apologize. I have to apologize to all of you. There were so many people that wanted to get through on the phone lines yesterday. We were just jammed. Every phone line was full uh, with the topic that we were discussing yesterday. And I almost don't want to bring it up because the, the, you'll start calling again. We have to move on, but I do want to say sorry to those of you who couldn't get through. Unfortunately, I only have an hour, but uh, check the podcast if you missed it on the relevant radio app. But you can call in for today's show for sure. It's a good time to do it. Get in there while you can. 888 uh, Thinking about beginning with the end in mind. I meant to do this on Monday. It's now Tuesday, but we're still kind of at the beginning of the week. And it's and it's a good thing to, to make a plan. But ultimately, big picture, we need to have that 35,000-foot view and think about what we're, the things that we don't want to regret when we're on our deathbed. We want to make sure these things don't happen to us. And I remember hearing one of the more powerful talks I've ever heard in my life when I was, it was during my time outside the Catholic Church. I spent a decade outside the church, got into Protestant ministry, eventually came back. But there was a guy who was pretty famous in, in Protestant circles back in the day. He's 88 years old now. He's, 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 he's getting up there. His name was Tony Campolo. He was a sociologist from, um, from the um, Philadelphia area. And he had this famous talk about the three things that people regret on their deathbed. There was, there was a survey that was done, a sociological survey, of people over the age of 95. Now we're, okay, these people not only were getting close to their meeting with their maker, but they had also had a ton of life experience. Wow, 95 years old. These are all over 95-year-old people. And they were asked, what would you do differently if you could live your life over again? What are some of your regrets? And basically, it came down to three things. And, and Tony Campolo kind of explained what they were. The first thing that people said that they would do differently if they could do it over again is they would reflect more. They would reflect more. And by reflection, they didn't necessarily mean prayer, although maybe that's part of it. I would say, yeah, we do need to reflect. We do need to reflect in the presence of God. We need to bring our plans to Him. We maybe need to sit in front of the tabernacle and and share our, our wild and crazy plans about our life and what we want to do and the problems that we have in his presence. But this idea of reflecting, they, they said that the respondents to this survey, the 95-year-olds, this is great wisdom we need to heed, they said that they would stop, think, and consider with intensity, with intensity, the things that they took for granted the first time around. And Campoli used to say that, that most people are absent, even though they're present. They're kind of there in body, but they're really not there. It's a little bit like The Walking Dead. If you remember that TV show, it's the zombie apocalypse. And, and that's the way a lot of people walk around in, in this world. And he had this illustration of people in an elevator where everybody's just kind of, they're looking at the numbers, they're kind of looking at their shoes, they're just, they're just there. And that's the way a lot of people live their, their lives. Time just passes by and then the doors open up and you're stepping out into eternity well don't 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 be like that don't let the passage of time be utterly meaningless we've got to reflect on the true meaning of what we're doing 
Okay, the second thing that Campolo said, you're listening to the K.O. Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888-914-9149. I know you guys are probably going to have some thoughts on this, so please feel free to call and weigh in on this. Talking about the top three regrets that people have at the end of their life. So they, they all said, these 95-year-olds in the survey said that they would reflect more. The second thing that they would do, if they could do it over again, is to risk more, to risk more. And that's, um, that's an intriguing one. This is probably the most intriguing one for me because the, the 95-year-olds that were in this study, they didn't think about things that they were successful at necessarily or even the failures that they had, but the risks that they didn't take what could have been. Now, I think there's a, a bit of a downside to this as well, which I'll get into in a second, but, but there were a lot of things that they just, they just kind of didn't go for it. They didn't go for it. Um, they didn't shoot their shot, if you will, and it, it's kind of, Campolo talked about the Star Trek mantra, boldly go where no man has gone before. And, and they didn't do that. And, and a lot of these respondents, these 95-year-olds said, man, I wish I had gone for X when I had the chance. And I guess I had on the program last week, Rabbi Jason Sobel, he, uh, he, he says this very well. He says that faith is spelled R-I-S-K, risk. That's how you spell faith. Faith often involves taking a great risk. Think about Abraham. He was called to go to a place where, that he didn't know, a land he'd never seen. He doesn't know anybody there. He doesn't know what's going to happen when he gets there. But he went. He just trusted God. He took the risk of trusting God boldly going into the unknown known to god of course but but not to abraham and that great chapter in the book of hebrews hebrews chapter 11 the hall of fame of faith um usually chapter 11 means filing bankruptcy well there's nothing bankrupt about these people's faith this is a great chapter to read when you're feeling down hebrews chapter 11 all the great heroes of faith um just so powerful especially back in the day when they didn't have the knowledge that we have today about the Christ, about they didn't have 20 centuries of church teaching to, to fall back on. Um, as Jesus said in the Gospel of John, Abraham saw my day and was glad. He somehow saw through faith stuff that was going to happen later and, and took the chance, even though he didn't have much to work with. That, that's incredible faith. So faith is spelled R-I-S-K. It's spelled risk. I think it's also spelled T-R-U-S-T. Trust. Trust. Because it's not that big of a risk when you know who you're trusting. And then it doesn't seem like a risk at all. And we know that we can trust Jesus. And, and that's what the Divine Mercy Chapel is all about. It's by far one of the most popular... I mean, when you look at you know network traffic, it spikes at 3 o'clock every day, Central Time, because that's when we pray the Divine Mercy Chapel on the Drew Mariani Show. And it's going to be live on video starting soon, next week, I believe. Whew, more, more news to come on that. that. That's really exciting. And then the rosary as well, because we need to pray. We need to trust God. Jesus, I trust in you. The Divine Mercy Chapel, that, that's such a, an incredible image. And so faith is spelled risk. It's also spelled trust. And you can't, you can't really advance in the spiritual life unless you take that risk. You, you can't have a friend unless you take a risk, because that person might disappoint you. That person might do something to, to let you down. And you can try to protect yourself and live in a bubble, but that's, that's, that's really not the way to go. Getting married is, is a risk. You don't know what's going to happen down the road, for better or for worse. You pray it's for better, but, but it might not be. It might not be. Humanly speaking, it might not be. 
We might have to carry the cross, and we will have to carry the cross. It's suffering is inevitable. Um, same with same with our, our vocation uh, in terms of our work. We we have to take risks sometimes, and um, and you know what? It's it, only you know what what God is asking you to do. But Campoli used to say, "How many of you are living lives of quiet desperation because you're afraid to take a risk?" And so. This is a his his um his study was backed up by another um, study that was done by Psychology Today magazine that talked about how people often regret not pursuing their their dream job or, or their career. They would they would choose something more practical, something they thought would pay the bills, uh, a little bit more safe, and they decided not to pursue that which they were really passionate about. And you know what? I, I don't think that's I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that. If, you, if you've got to, you know, I'm starting to sound like Seinfeld here. Not that there's anything wrong with that. You, if you have a family to provide for, you've got to provide for them. There are mouths to feed. You've got to put food on the table. And it's true that sometimes, sometimes what we really need to do is not change our job, not change our situation, but change our approach, change the way we look at our job. You're listening to the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888-914-9149. Here's, a, here's an illustration of that. I, I don't know if you ever watched the show Undercover Boss. I don't even know if it's still on TV, but um, I, I don't watch a whole lot of shows. But I remember watching that show this one particular occasion. And the premise of the show is that the CEO of a company goes undercover in a disguise and kind of works among... You know, just everybody who's who's doing regular jobs in that company, and just sort of seeing how things work from the inside. I don't know if Father Rocky could actually pull that off. Could he? Could he actually put on a disguise, a fake mustache or something, and walk around relevant radio, and we wouldn't know it's him? I don't know. You should try that, Father. See what happens. Be be the undercover boss. So, one this one particular episode I saw, it, the company that they were looking at was Waste Management. You probably heard of them. They're just a behemoth, huge giant in the garbage industry, and. The, the CEO of Waste Management went undercover, and he worked with this guy. And his job, this guy's job was to get in a sanitation truck and drive around, and he would clean out porta-potties. Now, you can imagine how disgusting some of this stuff was. I mean, football games, you know, some of them are knocked over, you know, they're spray-painted, whatever. They're just, that could be really, really nasty. Huge crowds of people. And so he's cleaning these porta-potties, and he is singing while he's working and he's so glad to have this job and he's so happy he was genuinely happy and it was, this was really moving so the ceo he actually got kind of got choked up being with this guy because he was happier than the ceo was there's no question about that and 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 that's this is the thing we, we can it doesn't matter what we do in a certain sense as long any 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 honest work can be can glorify god we can we can sanctify our work. We can sanctify other people through our work. San Jose Maria talked about this. We can sanctify ourselves through our work. We can sanctify the work itself. Uh, it, it can't be a, a dishonest job. I mean, if you're, I don't know, uh, I don't know if you're a mobster, you can't, if you're Tony Soprano, you can't sanctify this. But, but we can sanctify any job. So sometimes we just need to l- keep doing the same thing, but, but just look at it in a different way. Talk about this. Talk about it with your spiritual director. Pray about it. But, but sometimes there are things that we want to do, the gifts that we have, and we know that God's calling us to do this. 
And he, we know that sometimes he's, he's calling us to step out in faith, but but we just don't go for it. We don't take the take the jump. So, you know, do that. I would I would say that that's that's something you don't want is is that sort of regret of, of not risking more, especially risking for God, risking for God. It, it's always going to pay off. It's absolutely always going to pay off. All right, let's take a call right now. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Let's go to Joe in San Francisco. Hello, Joe. Hi, how you doing? It was a great uh, conversation last week. You were talking about hospitality. Yeah, yeah, I remember one. that. Yeah, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. And, and good to hear from you once again. What, what do you think about this topic? So I live my life with no regrets. A man doesn't get old until his regrets replace his dreams. Hmm. So if I die like today, I know my, my slate is clear. I didn't do any dirt to anyone. I'm clear about all the decisions I've made in my life. Mm. Not that you're perfect or anything, but... Uh, that, or no, I'm far from it. I'm, <laughs> I'm married. I can't be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but you're able to... You're able to you're my able wife to, when keeps you, answering. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, always, I always say that. Hey, if you, if you think you've arrived, if you're a canonizable saint, just ask your wife. She'll, uh, she'll double-check you on that. But but when your head hits the pillow at night, Joe, you 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 can sleep easy. You can sleep like a baby because you have no regrets. Well, I sleep like a baby. I cry all night. <laughs> I, I like it. I like it. Yeah. But no, um, I, I during the day I say thank you, God, for putting me in this position to be able to serve others. When I go into a coffee shop, when I go in a restaurant, I say thank you for your service, and they look at me like I'm a Martian. But I, look, yeah. I say thank you for your service. You make a difference. Yeah, no, it's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. And we, I think we all can kind of um, think about times when, when somebody's just encouraged us with just with a smile, with an encouraging word. You never know what somebody's going through. And you never know what, what a difference just kindness can make, friendliness, and just encouragement to people in, in their work. And, and, and people, are, they just feel like they're forgotten. They're not forgotten by God, that's, that's for sure. And... and and we have to, to make the make that known as well. Thank you so much for that call, Joe, in San Francisco. Call back anytime. Good to hear from you. Got to take a quick break right now on the Kale Clark Show, but we're talking about the three regrets at end of life, and we don't want this to happen to us. We'll be right back. 888-914-9149. so you can explain it to others. It's the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back. 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149 is the number to call. Toll free. If you want to get in on this topic that we're talking about today, the top three deathbed regrets that people have. We want to make sure that we live our lives with no regrets. As producer Jim likes to say, hey, you don't want to have any regrets when it's time for your exit interview with the Lord, right? When you leave a company, there's always an exit interview on your way out the door. And uh, we will have that ultimate exit interview. And so if you if you have some thoughts on this, uh, give me a call, 888 Have you ever regretted something kind of big in life? Um, hopefully we can learn from our mistakes. That's part of the game. 
that's part of the game. Um, as long as we learn the lesson, that's 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 the key. That's the key. We and, and life happens, um, such as life. But let, let's talk. Let's continue on with this uh, this list of the three top regrets of people, ninety five years of age and older. So these are not just <laughs> life experience is key as well here. Uh, the sociologist Tony Campolo said that a major study was done on those 95 and older. What are their biggest regrets in life? If they had to do over, they would, number one, reflect more. We talked about that. If you missed it, check the podcast after the show. Number one, they would reflect more. Number two, they would risk more. They would risk more. And I think the best risk we can take, it's not really a risk at all. It's trusting our Lord and uh, risking for the kingdom, if you will. And then it also applies to careers and things like that as well. Um, the road not taken, right? Uh, and then the third thing, we didn't get a chance to talk about this yet. The third thing, I like this too. Uh, the 95-year-old respondents to this poll, they said, if I could do my life over again, I would do more things that would live on after I'm dead. I would do more things that would live on after I'm dead. And, and Tony Campolo, he says, look, this, this is what's going to happen at the end of your life. They're going to put you in a hole in the ground. They're going to throw dirt on your face. And then they're going to go back to the church hall and eat potato salad. That's what's going to happen. So what do you want them to be talking about? What do you want them to say about you? What, what's your legacy going to be? He said, look, when you were born, you cried, but everybody else was happy. When you die, is everybody else going to cry while you're the only one who's happy? <laughs> so you got to shift your mindset a little bit. Campolo says, don't live your life for titles. Don't live your life for titles. He says, do you want a title? And he he was a Baptist preacher, so he would really get into it. He'd say, do you want a title or do you want testimonies? Do you want a title or do you want a testimony? What's a testimony? Those are the things that people will talk about, how you made a difference in their lives. So, one way I like to say it is don't worry so much about the letters that come after your name, your titles, MD, PhD, whatever, HDEP, high school diploma, uh, whatever it may be. Uh, worry about the title that's going to come before your name, ST, right? Saint. That's, that's what we're shooting for here. Holiness, sainthood. Everybody in heaven's a saint, so it's not optional. It's not optional. So what you have to do is, and it just doesn't have to be something with fireworks, something that, that's just, you know, so noticeable. Positive examples. And he, he tells a heartbreaking, heart-rending story, really, about um, a teacher who took uh, a student under her wing because that, that particular student had lost his, his mother. His mother died when he was very, very young, and so he had no mom in his life. And so over the years, he got older and went through all these life milestones. He would send that, send that teacher notes and letters and so he sent her a letter telling her uh, about uh, his high school graduation. And then he graduates from university. And then he becomes a successful doctor. He has that MD. But when he, when he was, and this is, this is really beautiful, when he was about to be married, he sent another letter to his teacher, his grade school teacher, and he invited her to sit in the place of honor where his mother would have been. Because he said, you're the only family I've got left. You're the only family I've got left. So that's the kind of testimony that we're really, really looking for here. 888-914-9149. Do you have any big regrets? 
Um, what advice would you give to somebody who, if they had a do-over in their life, they would say, you know, don't do this, you know, focus on these things instead. 888 Let's go to the phones right now. Let's go to Joanna in Orange County, California, Fountain Valley. Hi, Joanna. Hi, how are you? I'm what great. an honor to finally be able to talk to you. So I, um, I listen all day. So um, I have a question for you. So this, I don't want this to be a regret for me. <laughs> um, if I die today. Okay, so okay. Uh, last year, my son has a really, really good friend um, with a boy. My son is 10 years old, by the way. Uh, last year, he was nine. Um, so I got to, you know, get close to the mom, too. And uh, we had a fallout because the boy lied a lot. So okay. um, we had a fallout. So um, he lied so many times, and the mom kind of defend him so we decided to you know it's not good for 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 both of us um, mm. but instead of communicated with the mom only i recorded my son telling me all the stuff that the boy did to him and i sent it to a few of uh, a few people in the group including the mom and i reread it until mm. now the mom did confronted me i said it's a horrible thing i am so sorry but still i feel like i i did the boy wrong so my question for you is, my son having a birthday party, um, just celebrate, he's, you know, <laughs> going to double digits. So I'm making mm. it a little bit big. So 40 friends come in, and the boys do play with my son at school, but not one-on-one. -on -one. They play in a group. So I've been dreading and thinking mm. a lot. I wanted to invite a boy to kind of like, you know, amend for mm -hmm. what I did. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean we will be friends again with the mom. But mm. I wanted to do it where it's for my conscience because I can't say that, you know, I, and again, I didn't even go to confession for what I did. And I feel like I'm, that was really wrong because I knew it was wrong to do it, but I didn't go to confession. So, mm. um, but then, you know, by inviting the boy, other moms might think, oh, now, you know, she's going back to her work. So I have a really now. What would be your advice? Ooh, first of all, it's an honor to be talking to you, Joanna. Thank you for calling in, and thanks for listening to Relevant Radio. I know you listen a lot, and and yeah, that's a tough situation. That's a tough situation. I would, I would say yes. Like invite the boy, especially because, as you say, they do still kind of they're still kind of in touch in a group setting, and they still kind of hang out. Maybe not one on one, but but I think it's um, I, I think young people, especially, they have a, they have a great capacity to uh, to forgive. Um, maybe sometimes as we get older, we we become more cynical and and we hold on to grudges and um, we kind of want to dig in our heels. And uh, in terms of the mom, I, I don't know about that one. I mean, you can certainly certainly still try to to reach out. And you said that you you apologize to her. I, I believe you said that. I can and, tell uh, you a hundred percent. We cannot go back to being friends, but with a boy, yes. I wanted to clear my conscience of, you know, yeah. what I did to him. He might yeah. have already forgot, um, but for it's my possible. son, I know he's only 10, but yeah. I tell you that I told him that I would like to invite that friend, and last night he cried almost until mm -hmm. 1 a.m. He said no, and I said, but then you go to Bible. God said you have to forgive. He said to me, Mama, I forgive him, but I cannot forget what he did to me. It was uh, a lot of stuff that is very damaging okay. to my son too. Yeah, well, so 
Well, in that case, I would say is 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 the like is the the boy still doing those things to your son? Is he still? No, he's not. No, okay, he's so that's that's all kind of in the past. Night. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, then, then I think maybe. Um, Maybe I mean there's some uh, some forgiveness that needs to be maybe made on your your son has to forgive this this kid too and and the mom needs to forgive you for what you did and, and you can't take it back I mean the past the past is over it's there there's nothing you can do about it and you can wallow all you want and say I wish I'd done this I wish it but you didn't and so you have to play the ball as it lays to use a, an analogy from golf and this is the situation as it is. We've got to give it to God and say, okay, I can't control somebody's response. I can't. I can't control somebody's response. I can't control anything anybody else does. Um, I can only control how I react to it. I can only control the controllables. And you asked for forgiveness. She didn't take you up on that. She's still angry about that. There's nothing you can do about it. But you did the right thing. You did the right thing in asking, humbly asking for forgiveness. And maybe your son can also find it within himself to, to, to forgive this kid. And, and maybe they can somehow patch things up. And maybe even through that relationship, somehow his mom will, will one day come back to you and be, be willing to forgive. These are, these are tough things for sure. And, and, uh, but I, I, I would say, yeah, especially if the, if the two kids are kind of getting along now, at least he's being nice to your son. Um, I would say definitely try to try to invite him and, and time, time has a way sometimes of, I know it sounds like a cliche, but, but, in time, they might have a better perspective on, on this. And uh, as far as confession goes, I mean, if it's something that you feel in your conscience that, that you've never confessed, but you ought to have, um, that's something you have to work out between you and God. But certainly, it, it, does, it wouldn't hurt to, to raise it. Um, and uh, because sometimes uh, we, we can hurt people's reputations, whether they deserve it or not. Um, and that can cause a lot of damage. We can hurt each other with you know, people can kill each other with guns and knives, and they can also kill other people's reputations. And, and um, is it deserved sometimes? Well, yeah, but we don't necessarily need to talk about it. We need to sometimes just keep silence and, and just ask for forgiveness. So so I don't know if that helps, but I, I do thank you for calling in, Joanna. God bless you, and uh, certainly pray for you going forward as you uh, navigate uh, the, this tricky web. We all live these tricky webs of relationships for sure, and uh, life is a messy business sometimes. And but that's where we forge our sanctity, right? When we have to, we can't do it alone. And sometimes when we clash with other people and we make mistakes, we have to humbly beg forgiveness. That's a great learning experience for us. And, and hey, we don't fall out of the womb as saints. That's This is part of the soul-making process of life. You're listening to The Kale Clark Show, 888-914-9149. Let's go to Sue in Forest Lake, Minnesota. Hello, Sue. Hello. Um, I'm calling. I'm a um, hospice nurse, so I deal with people, of course, at the end of life. Um, and a real simple thing that a patient taught me one time, and I put it into practice in my own marriage, um, is when it comes to conflict, um, ask yourself, you know, when you feel like you've been wronged by your spouse or really anybody that you love, um, ask yourself, is this something that's really going to matter to me? six months mm. or a year from now. Mm. And if the answer is like, is no, then it's not worth any, any conflict right now. And that just really resonated with me. I've put that into own, my own practice with my own marriage and it really has brought such peace and harmony to our lives. It's made a huge difference. So that's what I have to offer. I, I like that. Yeah. That's uh, 
let's try to let's try to ask the big picture questions. We can we can kind of get lost in the weeds sometimes, but is this going to matter in six months? I, I I can tell you that I've watched a lot of TV shows and spent a lot of time, and I can't remember the plot of any of these things. Is this going to matter? No, uh, not necessarily. But there are some big ticket items, of course, that we all know will matter, and and you know what those are. And I think it's don't not sweating the small stuff is I think a big big key in keeping peace in the home and and because we we all have marriage is two sinners moving in together anything's going to happen right so again part of the soul making process as well so that, that's a that's a really good call so appreciate that so much all right let's go to Dan in Providence Rhode Island by the way the number for you to call triple eight nine one four nine one four nine let's go to Dan in Providence hello Dan hi hi Kale nice to meet you nice to talk to you. Likewise. I'm just wondering, uh, I just got, uh, thank you, I just tuned in, uh, and I, I want to get back to you because there was a, there was a caller last week, I mm-hmm. believe her name was Kathy, and she was concerned about her brother who passed away, if I remember the story correctly. Okay. Uh, what I just wanted to add is, um, uh, there's a book uh, um, called Praying with the Saints for the Holy Souls in Purgatory by Susan Tassoni, and in there there's a story where Padre Pio talks about how with God there's no past or future, everything is eternal now. And he said that you, Padre Pio now said that you can pray for your great-grandparents to have had a happy death in the past. Hmm. So even though the person's passed away, because with God everything's eternal now, you can pray for that person way, who died way long time ago. You can pray for them to have had a happy death in the past. And even in uh, the Diary of Divine Mercy, uh, Jesus said to St. Faustina, uh, he said that your prayers consoled me during my passion. So mm. I, I just want to call wow. up uh, and you know, make like, these words of consolation for that woman who was upset about her brother, and she was concerned about him, obviously, but I hope she's listening and you know, that you know, maybe other mm. people in the same situation I uh, realized that you know you still can pray for the person even though they died. You can still pray for them to have had a happy death. So, well, Dan, I want to see that. Well, Dan, it's a pleasure to talk to you as well, and th- thanks for calling in from Providence, Rhode Island. And I'm not familiar with that particular book that you mentioned uh, and that quote from Padre Pio. I hadn't heard before, but but having said that, if somebody does wind up in heaven, then they can always say they had a happy death because it all ended well. And there's only two possibilities in life, either we, eternal beatitude with God in heaven or not, you know, the other place. And we don't want that. So everyone who's in purgatory is going to heaven. It's the mudroom of heaven. Um, even the, the whole concept of time, is it, how much time are you going to have to spend in purgatory? That's tricky because it's outside of time. Um, what's going to take to be purified enough to stand in the presence of God, to let go of those those things so that we can truly let go and let God, you know, grab a hold of us. And so there's no question that we can pray for those who've gone before. We're coming up to, of course, the month of November, all saints, all souls. The leaves are starting to fall from the trees. And uh, as they're beautiful. They're beautiful. But they're, we have to admit, they're also dead, right? That, that, that's why they're not on the tree anymore, the, the lovely colors. And and that reminds us that the death, too, can be beautiful. We can have the grace of a happy death. That's one of the things we have to pray for every single day, the grace of a happy death. St. Joseph, the patron of a happy death. You know, tradition says that, imagine this, at his bedside, Mary and Jesus. Can't ask for a better team. And they'll, they'll be with us as well. Be, 
Obviously, uh, our Lord is there for us all the time. Our Lady is interceding for us, uh, St. Joseph as well. And so we've got to make that our our priority, the, the final perseverance that we all need. And, and one day we will be that falling leaf. It's going to happen to every single one of us. And so that's why it's a really important topic to talk about. We don't like to talk about death. Our society does so much to mask it, put it away, get it, get it out of my sight. Don't want to see it. But... Um, but it is it is real and it is part of the journey. There's there's no question about it. So if if that person is already in heaven, I, I do believe God's going to redirect that prayer for the holy souls in purgatory to the, for those who have no one to pray for them and, and who need those. So appreciate that call so much, Dan. You can call me as well. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Let's go to Chris in Rescue, Georgia. Rescue is it California or Georgia? California. California. Rescue California. Where where is Rescue California, yeah. Chris? Um, it's east of Sacramento, up Highway 50, about okay. 40 miles. Okay, the capital, near the capital. Mm-hmm. And, uh, all right, Chris, so what's, uh, um, what, what are you thinking here? My, my regret has to do with the fact that I was molested from the time I was probably born until I was 14 by my oh. grandfather. And my regret is that I did not fight against him to stop the abuse. Mm. And I know that I tried to to tell my mother when I was young, and I wish that I had been able to to have been more forceful with her and making her believe that it was happening because I I lost my childhood Mm. um, because I was always afraid of, okay, who's going to hurt me? I can't go to be friends with that person. Um, you know, I was, I was always alone. And, um, I would, I would have been, I would have been a better person. I would have been able to get counseling earlier than I did. Um, I didn't start counseling until I was in my thirties. Um, and by then I had, it had affected my marriage. My marriage was falling apart at that point. Um, there's just so many things that I think that I, I could have had a better life if I had just fought back against the abuse. I think, Chris, uh, first of all, that, that is just a very heartbreaking to hear, and, and um, I know that wasn't an easy thing to share. I... I would say a couple of things. Uh, first of all, thank you for your bravery in sharing that. Number two, I, I think that one of the, the great tricks of the enemy is that he always want, the devil always wants you to think it's your fault, that somehow it's your fault. You didn't do what you should have done to prevent this. That what happened to you is not your fault. It is not your fault. And you were a child and, and, you didn't, you didn't have the tools that you have now to be able to look back and say, I should have fought back. You weren't in that place at that time. And you, you, didn't, you didn't have that, that growth that you needed. And um, I just, you know, I, I, this is heartbreaking. It breaks, breaks the heart of God as well that you had to, to go through this. And so many children, countless multitudes, go through this all the time, every day in the United States and around the world. And it's a scourge that, that needs to be stopped. And, and God will have his justice and, and his vengeance. But 
um, and to pray for those who have abused and hurt you is, is a difficult thing to do. But I, I just would say um, that was a really brave call that, that you just gave. And I, I'm sure it was very encouraging to other people who are listening. And I would also say that, that, that when it comes to our experiences, even the very, very negative experiences that we have in life, that some good can come out of that. And one of the things that, that can happen is that an experience can, can help someone else who's, who's also struggling, and you can help someone else who, who's in that spot that you were in. And, and I don't know, there may be some ways that you can, can get involved and, and counsel those who, who, who also are suffering. And I don't know, but I just, I just know that, um, that there will be good that comes out of this. And um, despite and not minimizing what happened by any stretch of the imagination, but um, this is a, a very, very uh, heartrending call, and I, I'm and I'm so sorry about that, that Chris. And but I don't, I don't want you to to feel like it's your fault because you, it is not, and 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 that would be to victimize you all over again. So. Thank you for calling. Uh, God bless you. I, um, I wish I didn't have to go, but there, there's, we have to take a break, unfortunately. Uh, we have to take a network break, but we'll be right back after this. God bless you, Chris. We'll be praying for you. It's the K.O. Clark Show, 888-914-9149. This is the K.O. Clark Show, giving you the confidence you need to bring the faith into everyday life. Hey, welcome back to the Kale Clark Show. 888-914-9149 is the number to call to talk to me for free. It's our final segment of the show this Tuesday. I want to remind you, you can send show ideas to me. One of the best ways to do that is by email. You can send me a link at kale at relevantradio.com. C-A-L-E at relevantradio.com. Follow me on the X app at Kale Clark. You can tag me there too. C-A-L-E, Clark with an E, and Patrick Alog, man, you're, Patrick, you're on a roll, man, you're on a roll, he, he sent me one, and this is, this is, this is, he knew that I was going to open this one, he knew that I was going to open this link, there's been a new study doing brain scans on coffee drinkers, brain scans of coffee drinkers, so I would sign up for this, because I'm a huge coffee drinker, anybody who knows me, I always run around saying, hey, there's way too much blood in the coffee system right now got to get the joe so this is a this is a, a study that came out of portugal and uh they wanted to investigate the idea of whether or not caffeine could make it, whether it's caffeine alone that makes people feel more alert or is it something else in the coffee is it sort of a part of the whole package the smell the taste whatever that might be that gets you going that makes you energetic and so a lot of people say, oh, I need my coffee in the morning to get ready. There's this guy named Dr. Andrew Huberman, the Huberman Lab. I don't know if you've ever heard his podcast. It's one of the most popular podcasts in the world. And he says that you have to kind of delay your coffee consumption. I think he says for either an hour or an hour and a half is kind of max. Because it, it just certain neurochemicals in your brain, it's not going to affect you as much unless you wait a little bit, which is hard, which is hard for some people. But he, he advertises... Or so, so he advises, he doesn't advertise, but he does say, he probably does advertise some products on his podcast, I guess, but, but they shall remain nameless. Uh, but what he does say also is get up in the morning and try to get some morning sunlight in your eyes too, unfiltered, uh, not through lenses, not through sunglasses, 
not saying stare at the sun or anything like that, but but there's something that happens because your eyes are part of your brain, and the sunlight actually triggers a whole bunch of things from dopamine and all kinds of other neurochemicals that that kind of get you going as well. But he says, yeah, definitely have your coffee. He's a coffee drinker, and so am I. So in the study out of Portugal, 83 people who drank at least one cup of coffee a day, they underwent MRI scans. I don't know if you've ever had an MRI. A lot of people, are you know, they're kind of claustrophobic going into the machine. I've had one. Uh, it was an interesting experience, for sure. And they, what, they, what they wanted to do here is observe the brain activity of these coffee drinkers. So 83 people, all told, were in the study. 47 people were scanned with the MRI before they had their morning cup of joe, and then 30 minutes later after they had their cup. The others, the 36 others, were given simply caffeine in hot water. So there's no actual coffee. It's just caffeine in water. And then they also had an MRI as well, before and after they consumed their beverage. So this was actually published in a major journal. It's called Frontiers in Behavioral Neuroscience. And it's interesting what they found. They found that certain changes in brain activity could only be gotten through coffee, like actual coffee. And other changes in the brain could be achieved through just plain old caffeine. But um, whether you just had the caffeine or they had an actual full cup of coffee, what happened was that there's part of your brain that, that puts you in a resting state. So that part of the brain, that was kind of suppressed. Like, we don't want this. We want to be alert. We don't want to be in a resting state. So they did show, yeah, whether it's caffeine or coffee, that will certainly happen. Uh, obviously, caffeine is a psychostimulant, and it can help you to feel very aroused and alert and, and kind of get you going. And it also helped people. When people were drinking coffee, they had super increased brain activity in parts of the brain that have to do with short-term memory, focus, attention. But here's the interesting thing. Those that just had caffeine, they, they didn't have this. They didn't have the increases in short-term memory. They, they didn't have better focus. That, that was intriguing to me. So what they're theorizing is that it's not just the caffeine itself, but it's the total package, the sight, the smell, the taste of coffee. And some people love that. I, I love it. I love the whole process of it. I, I'm not deep into it. I don't grind my own beans or anything. I, I should. I should probably get into that, but I just take it to another level. And other people hate the smell of coffee. My father-in-law, and I didn't know this when, when I met him. I, I didn't realize that he actually, even just the smell of coffee makes him nauseous. So I went on a retreat with this guy, and the first thing I did was pull into my favorite coffee shop, Tim Hortons, get a coffee. We were driving to this retreat, and it was like agony for him. It was like purgatory for him because he had to smell the coffee and everything. He never, he never said anything about it. It was just a huge mortification for him. But uh, I didn't even know that. But some people can't stand it, but other people just, that's part of the, the, the pleasure of coffee drinking. It's a ritual, and, and maybe that's true for you as well. So... It, it, says, it does seem to make sense because you're kind of activating your whole brain. Taste, touch, smell, all, all of the senses are involved. The visual impact, just, just even seeing the beans. Um, I love it. I love it all. There, there have been a lot of um, studies done on the health benefits of coffee. And I, I know a lot of people say that's not, not good for you, but it's, it's also very rich in antioxidants, polyphenols. These are really, really positive things. Natural compounds that can lower blood pressure, destroy cancer cells even potentially so how about that protect against diabetes it can improve your metabolism so i don't see any downside to this obviously i'm pushing this i'm pushing this really hard it's a health drink folks coffee 
But of course, uh, in regulation and in moderation, of course, you got to do that. Another study I, I read, I, I don't have it right in front of me right now, is that coffee drinker, male coffee drinkers apparently have a much lower incident of prostate cancer. It's not as much of a problem. So I don't know why that is. But I think they have established a link there as well. So thank you, Patrick Alog, for, for giving me even more fuel uh, for the, uh, the passion for, for coffee drinking. How about that? So you, you, you grind your own beans, Jim? What do, what do you do? Yes, we do every night. In fact, <laughs> my daughter, uh, shout out to her, Georgia. She's turning seven tomorrow. But uh, she loves, yeah, thank you. Yeah, she, she loves what she calls grinding the coffee peanuts every night. <laughs> the coffee peanuts. I love that. I love and, that. Uh, we try not to have them spill all over the floor. But yeah, my wife and I both love the coffee. So that that. That smell of the beans grinding at night just is a good foretaste for the next morning. <laughs> no, no, none of your kids have wanted to actually drink the coffee no, yet, have they? they have not. <laughs> okay, and you wouldn't allow this, I don't think. I either. would not allow it. When I was a kid, my mom let me drink this really healthy decaf coffee. It tasted terrible, but I thought <laughs> I was so cool because I got to drink coffee. <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. Decaf coffee, yeah. It's like, what is the point? Exactly. But again, I guess people people they don't want the caffeine, but they do like all the the, the other stuff, the other parts of the package. They love the smell, they love the taste, they love the aroma. But I've I've also heard that the chemicals they use to strain out the caffeine are probably way worse for you than. Now there may be other reasons why you don't want the caffeine. You don't want to be jittery, whatever the case may be. But but I, I love it. I love it, and I I can't get enough of it. So and hey, happy birthday to Georgia tomorrow. We'll certainly be praying for her. And thanks to everybody who called in today on The Kale Clark Show. It was so good to be with you. It always perks me up to be with all of you each day on Relevant Radio. So stay tuned. Keep it locked here. Lots of good stuff coming up all night long, all night strong here on Relevant Radio. Timory's coming up next. You're not going to want to miss her show. It's a real problem. Kids and devices. She's got a great guest who's going to be talking about how to manage this better as a parent. And then, of course, Father Rocky will be along after that with the family rosary across America. Jim Schaefer produced with an assist from Miranda. Patrick Alog took your phone calls. I'm Kale Clark. Take it away, Michaela. Thank you for listening to my daddy. <laughs>